the international headquarters of the Sword of the Lord Publishers and Ministries here in downtown Murfreesboro, Tennessee, in the geographical heart of Tennessee. We are right here with a heart for Tennessee and a heart for the world. This is Making a Difference, and I'm Dr. Shelton Smith. What a joy it is to welcome you today. We're all geared up and ready for a brand new week. And today I'm going to be talking to you about all of the hostilities that are vented against Christians and how Christians can learn to deal with that and survive. And so we're going to look for the next few days around the general theme of a Christian living in an unchristian world. And I think we'll go right to the Bible. We're going to see how the early Christians dealt with some things. And then we'll look, Lord willing, in a day or two or three, We'll look at how Jesus dealt with some of those very same things. And I think we will learn some things about how to deal with the stress that comes whenever you live the Christian life, whenever you stand up to be counted in the world where you live. So we're going to see some things that I think will be a great help to us. Let me just remind you, the National Sword of the Lord Conference this summer, July 17 through 20, and you'll find all of the details on the Sword of the Lord website at swordofthelord.com. I think you'll find that that is a conference well worth attending. It'll be a great help and a blessing to you and to your family. Bring your entire family. You'll be glad that you did. And listen, I'll be glad to send you a sample copy of our Sword of the Lord newspaper. If you'd like to receive it, I'll give you the address and the details at the end of the broadcast today. Now, let's turn to the book of Acts. And uh, in preparation for this, let's see how the early church, those early Christians, let's see how they got themselves into difficulty. Now, they didn't mean to create stress for themselves. They were just doing what they thought they should do as the sons and daughters of God, recently born again, recently admitted into a church there in Jerusalem. And, uh, well, let's look and see what we find. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, Jesus said to them, You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now, that is really a restating of the Great Commission. We find some uh, part of that commission stated in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and here again in Acts chapter 1. And Jesus said to the disciples, You are, in fact, to be witnesses of me right here at home, across the nation, and out beyond the borders of the nation, literally to the uttermost parts of the earth. And he said, I'm going to empower you. I'm going to give you what you need so that you can be a witness. Now, remember, a witness is somebody who tells what they know. They tell what they have seen. And they give a demonstration of that verbally. And in doing so, well, it's not always going to come down to what people really want. It's not going to meet with approval from everybody. Now, when we get to Acts chapter 2, verse number 1 says, When the day of Pentecost was fully come... And remember, Pentecost is a Jewish feast day. It comes every year on the Jewish calendar. And the day had fully arrived, and it is a Sunday. They were all with one accord in one place. That is, the 120 members of the Jerusalem church. They were in one place. They were in full accord. They knew where they were headed. They knew what was going on. Well, you remember the Spirit of God made a visit to them, and they began to, with languages that they had not studied, 
they begin to witness, testify, and preach to those foreigners, foreign Jews, who had come in for the feast day of Pentecost. And uh, they literally got the message out to them, so much so that all of those foreign Jews, verse 7, they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Now, there's two words here in the Greek New Testament, the word glossa, which means languages, and the word dialecto, which obviously means dialect. Now, this is not gibberish that's being spoken here. They are, in fact, being gifted of God to get the gospel out to all of these foreigners who they need to be able to speak their language in order to communicate with them, and the Lord endowed them miraculously with that gift so that they could do so. Now, you say, are people doing that today? No, they're not. Uh, nobody today, even folks who claim to have this uh, so-called supernatural gift, when they go to foreign countries, they go to the language schools and learn the language. Their tongues do not work. Now, uh, some people were saying, well, these folks are just drunk. Well, verse 15, the Bible says, these are not drunken, as you suppose. This is instead that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and they used those languages to communicate to those foreigners. Now, verse 21, here's what they said. It shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. They are preaching a gospel of salvation to them through the Lord Jesus. Verse 36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. So there's a bit of an indictment in that statement. Uh, letting them know that they crucified the Messiah, and obviously a lot of people did not want to hear that. Well, verse 40, they say, and with many other words, most of us preachers like to hear that, that there's a lot of words involved because we have a tendency to be a bit verbose. Uh, we like to speak a lot. And he says, with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourself from this untoward generation. And of course, a lot of them did. Many of them, 3,000 of them, on that one day responded. They received the Savior. They were baptized and added to the Jerusalem church. Now, the Bible goes on to say, verse 46, they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. So all of this is going on. You say, well, what is the deal here? Well, the strangest thing is about to happen. Well, really, I don't think it's pretty strange, maybe. Maybe it's just what you would normally expect. Whenever you interrupt people's uh, routine, you uh, really inject uh, things to them, truth-wise, that they don't want to hear. It's like it runs in contrast to their tradition. So what happens? Verse number 1 of chapter 4, And as they spake unto the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. That is, they are confronting them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. That is, they did not like their message. They were upset that they were saying the Jesus that had been crucified and resurrected and ascended to heaven, which, by the way, a lot of them had observed. A lot of them had seen all three of those events. And yet, they're not at all happy that this is running afoul of their 
regular services, their traditions. And so verse 3 says, they laid hands on them and put them in hold, that is, they threw them in jail, until the next day, for it was now eventide. Now, here's what's going on. We are having these Christian folks just doing the Christian thing. They are in an unchristian environment, but they are Christians now. They're serving the Lord now. They're preaching the message of truth. They're getting the gospel out. They are witnessing with their testimony, telling other folks what has happened to them and how that they are excited and happy and thankful that they're forgiven, thankful they're birthed into the family of God, and thankful that they now are heaven-bound, and uh, they just want everybody to know that. But this crowd of religionists, this crowd of unsaved religionists, this crowd that's in charge, they have authority. Many of them are public officials, and they are very unhappy. Verse 2 of chapter 4 says they're grieved that these Christians are teaching the people that Jesus that was resurrected is the Messiah, that he is the one that will save them. They're all stirred up about that. And folks, listen, anytime you and I start making waves with the message, I mean, I'm not talking about you doing something crazy. I'm not talking about you doing something just to be controversial. I'm not talking about you doing something Sometimes it maybe just borders on being stupid. I don't want to see any Christian misbehave. We don't want any Christian to be accused of wildfire. We don't want anybody to be in a position where they're not on solid scriptural grounds. And these folks, I mean, they are giving out the message. They're tying in those Old Testament prophecies, and they are making it clear to everybody that the Messiah has come, he was crucified, he was resurrected, he ascended back to heaven, and now then, that's getting pressure brought. These unsaved folks, they're coming at them, putting on pressure, expressing themselves in a hostile way, and threatening them in every sense of the word, to make their well-being at issue. Now, here's the thing. We've got some of them in jail now. For the very first time, these Christians are finding themselves under the kind of pressure so that they can't go to their jobs. They can't take care of their families. They cannot do the things that they normally would do. So their well-being is at stake. And here they are now incarcerated And they're just uh, kind of, you know, on temporary arrest at this point till we can figure out how to deal with these guys is basically what we're looking at. In the meantime, there is just an enormous amount of response, even though we've got upheaval because of the hostile response from the leaders in the community and in the city. Now then, verse 4 of chapter 4 says that the men in Jerusalem, the men, 5,000 more of them come to the Savior. 5,000 more believe the message. Now, do you think that everybody's going to be happy about this? Well, if you drop down just a little bit further in that fourth chapter, the rulers, the elders, the scribes, Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, uh, John and Alexander, as many as were of the kindred of the high priest, verse 6 says, were gathered together at Jerusalem, and when they had set them, talking about the leaders of the Jerusalem church, they set them in the midst and they said, by what power or by what name have you done this? Now, what are they saying? What authority do you have? Who gave you the authority to uh, put this message out? And they are really coming at them very, very strongly. And the result of that is, you drop down further in that chapter, 
Verse 15 says, When they commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves. That is, they had a committee, and the committee is going to vote now. And so here's what they're saying. Verse 16, What shall we do to these men? Indeed, a notable miracle has been done by them. It's manifest to all in Jerusalem, and we can't deny it. And uh, so, verse 21 says, When they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for that which was done. So here's where we are on this. We have folks getting the job done, and they are going about it earnestly. They're going about it fervently. And they're getting results. They're getting good results. And uh, the storm that comes because of that is a very, very strong storm. Lots of hostility. And they are being threatened on every hand. And uh, really, a lot of people are applauding. But you have these other folks who are saying, no, this is not right. And we're not going to let this go on. Now, let me just make very clear to you. Whenever you stand up to be counted, sometimes you're going to find yourself under pressure. And uh, Lord willing, the next day or two here on the broadcast, we're going to see how these Christian people stayed by the stuff. They did exactly what they needed to do, and they kept doing it. They just would not relent. They would not quit. They would not quake. They just would not let go of the message that meant so much to them. And you and I may also have hostilities hurled at us. We may have our own difficulties. In fact, the Bible says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So we can expect that, but we ought to be able to handle that. So let's don't let somebody's anger, somebody's hostility push us to stop. Let's don't let somebody intimidate us just because they don't like the message that we have to give. We'll look at some more of this tomorrow, and I trust it'll be a help and a blessing to you. Let's stay true in these troubled times and be a solid Christian in this unchristian world. Write me a note. Let me know that you hear the broadcast. I would be delighted to hear from you. Write to me, Dr. Shelton Smith at P.O. Box 1099, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, 37133. The email address is radio at swordofthelord.com. Well, dear friends, till tomorrow, God bless you. Have a good rest of the day and goodbye for now.